Now, the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter on 1010XL. Presented by Osteen, Volvo, and Volkswagen. And Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics. From Players Grill Mandarin, here are your hosts, Ryan the Hacker Green, Leon Searcy, and Coach Campo. Trevor drops, four-man run. Looking, looking, Trevor steps up. Rolls to his left, still looking down. Don't know he's going to run it. Gets it to the 20-yard line. The ball came out. The ball was fumbled and picked up by the Ravens, and they are running it back. Trevor fumbled the ball, and the Ravens picked it up and ran it back to around their 40-yard line. Man, does that one hurt. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars radio, and with that, well, I don't know if it's a good Monday morning, but it is Monday morning here in Duval County. It is the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We are brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen with the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy and the head coach Dave Campo. I'm the hacker Ryan Green as the Jacksonville Jaguars fall on Sunday night football 23-7 to the Baltimore Ravens. It was a horrific performance in many regards and come to find out in the postgame press conference that now Jaguar quarterback Trevor Lawrence has entered concussion protocol. Leon Searcy, uh, you and I have been having some dialogue leading into this program tonight Indeed we have. here in the studio. Yes. Uh, we'll keep it, um, I guess we can go PG here at 1.26 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Your thoughts on the Jaguars losing tonight and falling to 2-5 and five at home this season? Well, listen, I didn't pick them to win. I mean, listen, I was not going to, like you said, I was not going to pick this team to win primetime until they showed me otherwise. And they showed me again. They're not ready for the big lights, the big stage. Absolutely. It took us forever to get these games. It took us forever to get the Monday nights, the Sunday night football games. And this team just, I mean, a bevy of just mistakes. You can't play. Listen, Jack, they are not playing playoff football right now. They are not playing playoff football. They are playing their way out the playoffs right now. Right now, they can't get to the playoffs. unless They got to win the division because there's a wild card. Like you said, you said this off the air. As a wild card, Cincinnati has the tiebreaker. Cleveland has the tiebreaker. This team doesn't win a division. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs. It, it, it doesn't look like it. No, it, I mean, and, and and everyone's saying, well, they've got their destiny in their hand. Well, they had the destiny in their hand the last three weeks. All right? We went from a potential number one seed just three weeks ago to us fighting for like a dog in the street to make the playoffs. And this team, I mean, I'm hearing all the interviews talking about uh, it, it's time to take this game, one game, but every game is a playoff game. We've got to get some sparks, some fire up. What the hell have you been doing for the last three weeks if you're trying to win a playoff game and need to get some sparks and fire? That's what's, that's what's crazy to me. Dave Campo, the head coach here on Hacker on, on Hacker After Dark and here on the fifth quarter. All right, so two missed field goals in the first half, a fumble where nobody touches Trevor Lawrence. He just drops the ball. And then the most inexcusable thing of all, they get down to the Ravens' five-yard line and the clock runs out because they manage the clock horribly as a former head coach, you must have been going nuts. Well, you know, the thing that really disappoints me more than anything else is the fact that, you know, looking statistics of the two teams going into this game, I didn't feel like we had a great chance to win this game, to be perfectly honest with you. But I was hoping that I would see it was because they were just flat better than us. And I didn't see that. In other words, I think they're a good football team, but I don't think they're an elite football team. We are just not playing very well. And one of the things that really bothers me, and, and being a former coach, I think 
this probably bothers me more than anything else was the play where we didn't spike the football going in at halftime because that's situational football and that's coaching. You know, in other words, the thing that bothers me is that Trevor had to know that that's what he had to do unless somebody said to him, try to get one play or, you know, whatever on the, on the headset on the way down there. I mean, and coach, you, you, we talked about that off the air. You said that, that's just common sense football. Yeah, a lot of a lot a lot of the stuff that the Jaguars are doing or not doing is just common sense football. Right. I mean that in that situation, I can tell you this: I play eleven years in the league. Every day, every Friday, we do a two minute drill, and when we do that two minute drill, the coaching staff puts us in different scenarios where we have to go and execute. And the coach says, "Clock, clock, clock, clock." Oh, the play we we get, we go through it. Get out of bounds. All right. Run to the run. Hand the ball. All that stuff we go through right before you play the game. So it's not like it's something new. This is week 15. Week 15, this team is still doing the same stuff it did week two, week three. And they have to understand also that the intensity early in the season is quite different late in the season. Their intensity level on both sides of the ball has got to pick up because right now this team is not playing playoff football. Jaguar fans, phone lines are open, 641 Ten ten. I imagine you're driving home right now. You're as upset as we are. We're going to be here with you for the next 90 minutes or so so we can mourn this loss together. The Jaguars now have lost three games in a row, and they are in a dogfight in the AFC South. Uh, one thing we're already hearing, and we're going to hear it all week, and quite frankly, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It's just words. I know the Jaguars have to hold press conferences, and I know they have to say something but these don't. This doesn't mean anything. The self-inflicted wounds. We're beating ourselves. I no longer care about that. I've been saying for now, last couple of weeks, when a team shows you who they are, believe them. This team is showing us who they are. They're not elite. They can get up there and, and fumble and throw a pick and then hold a press conference and say, "Well, nobody's beating us. We're beating ourselves." And then Sunday, the same exact thing will happen. And then they'll hold the same press conference. You could get a tape recording of self-inflicted wounds and we're beating ourselves and just run it for the last three weeks. And I guarantee you, that's what we're going to hear starting tomorrow. Well, we're beating ourselves. No, you're not. That's nonsense. You're getting beat. You're not beating yourselves. Teams are physically beating you on both sides of the ball. I mean, Coach, Leon, it's very frustrating. And I tell you this, too. I tell you this, too. Last year's team with a worse record is better than this team. Last year's last year's team, I saw some fight, some some grit, some get after it, some desperation. That was last year's team that went on that run. That was a team that was playing playoff ball because they knew every game was an elimination game. They knew if they had lost, they out. That was a team that was desperation. This team right here, I tell you, this team is is in a lounge chair sipping coladas. This is what this team is. <laughs> They're comfortable. And I don't want to hear that self-inflicted wounds. No, the, the, the Ravens beat you. L Boogie beat you. The running game beat you. Yeah, you beat yourself. You got to understand you can't make those kind of mistakes this late in the season. Yeah, those games, yeah, they're self-inflicted. But these teams are beating you. The Clevelands, the Cincinnati, the Baltimores are beating you up physically. And, Coach, one of the things that caught my attention in the postgame, look, I'm not a body language expert. I just listen to Doug Peterson and watch him. But when you use the term mind-boggling for some of the things that are still going on, 
that to me sounds like a coach that's running out of answers. Yeah, well, I think he's frustrated, and I think he, uh, you know, in listening to him, he's kind of saying the same thing, kind of like, like uh, uh, Leon just said, you know, the, over and over again. You know, hey, we, we <clears throat> should be playing our best football now. It's, uh, you know, the end of the season. It, we, we should be getting better, but we're not. And uh, I think he's frustrated, and I, I don't know – you know, I get this asked all the time. What do you say to them? Well, you, what can you say? You, you go in there and you tell them like it is. If we play like this next week, same thing is going to happen. We're going to be doing the same thing next week uh, when, the, when the game is on. I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence being in concussion protocol is going to be a big story, and we'll get into that, you know, in just a moment. Phone lines are loaded. It's 1.30 in the morning. We'll get to you here in just a moment. Um, I am fascinated that here we are 50 games into Trevor Lawrence's career, almost three full seasons of football, and there are some people on social media, and again, social media isn't everybody. It's a very small, small group of the fan base, but it's a world that we live in during during these games. I went on there and, and was you know very critical of Trevor Lawrence's performance tonight. Oh, you would have thought I was the devil. You would have thought that, I mean, people just had hatred and venom coming at me. How dare you question Trevor Lawrence? How dare you question our generational quarterback? Leon, he was bad tonight, man. He was not good tonight at all. Early and often he was bad. I, I thought a lot of his throws early in the game, they were off target, overthrows, all that kind of stuff. I mean, t- Trevor's not elite. He's not an elite quarterback. He's okay. He's not an elite quarterback. He is not He is not in the same mantle of a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes so, or Joe Burrow, he's not there. He's on a couple of tiers behind him. So just get over it. He's got to get better. He's absolutely going to get better. And as he goes, we go. I mean, if he doesn't play his best ball, we don't go nowhere. And if he's not that elite, okay, and I, I think still the jury's still out on that, to be perfectly honest with you. But if he's not, he's got to be a game manager. And he's not doing that right now. It doesn't seem like he's uh, – you know, has has the idea of where he has to go. Although there was a, a time that Collinsworth said, you know, one thing I don't like about Trevor, he said this in the broadcast, one thing I don't like about Trevor is sometimes he, he misses the obvious and tries to go somewhere where he thinks it's going to be instead of just taking the profit out in front of him. And, and so at this point in time mm-hmm. in his career, he's not there yet. And and I think he does deserve some criticism. Yes. Hey, listen, the first drive, okay? The first drive, I'm 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 at the game, I'm inside, I'm watching because it was cold as hell outside. I wasn't gonna be outside <laughs> cold. It was cold as hell. I'm at the stadium watching the game. The first drive, right? He tries to he has an overthrow to Ridley. Travis Etienne is right there. Just take that. Travis was virtually uncovered. Yeah. You take that little right. dumb pass, let Trevor Travis Etienne go, you know, get get five, ten, fifteen, whatever yards. I mean, sometimes it's just that he want every play. It seems to me every throw it's got to be something spectacular. Or he's picking somebody out yes. ahead of time. Exactly. You know, that's that's I mean, the that, issue. I mean, that that right there was the telltale story of this this whole evening with Trevor. You know, the overthrows, trying to always go with the big play, but sometimes the checkdowns is just as good. Sometimes the checkdown is just as good. One thing we got to get into, we got to get into a lot. Again, we're with you until about 3 a.m. Two and five, the Jaguars are at home. Two and five. Uh, they got embarrassed on national TV. I mean, it was emb- the end of the first half was embarrassing. 
That's something you see, you know, an awful New York Giants team do earlier in the year against Buffalo. That's things you see college teams do. They gave up. Yeah, to not get any points and to have just horrific clock management like that, that is flat-out embarrassing, Week 15. Look, Matt, Dave, Dan, RJ, all you guys hang in there. You will be up on the other side with Dave Campo and Leon Searcy, the hacker Ryan Green with you. We're here with you, Jacksonville. We're toughing it out with you till 3 a.m. The Jaguars, now the same record as the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. All three are at eight and six. The Jaguars own some tiebreakers, but I got news for you. If the Jaguars play on Sunday against Tampa in Tampa like they played today, the Jaguars won't be in tied for first place very long. Tampa will beat them. I don't know if I'm – Tampa should be favored in that game, and I might pick Tampa right now to win that game. I don't know why you would pick Jacksonville based on what we've seen to go to Tampa and win, and with the knowledge that Lawrence is in concussion protocol, the Jaguars got problems. No question about that. Your phone calls next. The Window World of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. It's 1010XL, and it's 92.5 FM. Putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The Window World of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. From Players Grill Mandarin. Presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen. And Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Play fake. Trevor drop. Looking. Fires deep down. To wide open. Jamal Agnew, 30. 25. 20. 10. 5. Touchdown. Jamal Agnew. Touchdown. Jacksonville! Frank Frangie, Jaguars Radio. That was the one touchdown the Jaguars scored. In fact, if you want to go back to Kansas City, San Francisco, and now tonight against Baltimore, three home games, quote-unquote showcase home games, that is the one offensive touchdown the Jaguars have scored in those 12 quarters was that play to Jamal Agnew tonight. Every night or every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you an offensive player of the game. It's brought to you by our friends at Universal Roof. RJ, let's do it now. The Universal Roof Offensive Player of the Game. Universal Roof and Contracting presents the Offensive Player of the Game. Universal Roof and Contracting. The difference is universal. Shortened to the point, Coach. Jamal Agnew, two grabs, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Wasn't really a whole lot of other good candidates, so Jamal Agnew is the offensive player of the game. Yeah, he was also the special teams player of the game because he had two really good returns. The kid's got talent. He's, uh, you know, you, you, obviously with uh, Christian Kirk out and Zay Jones pulling up a little bit today, he's probably going to get more opportunities next week. With Leon Searcy and Dave Campo, the hacker Ryan Green, let's go to the phone lines. 641-1010. Let's go down to Leon's neck of the woods to Orlando. Let's get Matt in here on the fifth quarter. Matt, go ahead. All right, boys. Uh obviously a tough night. I'm uh almost back. Uh what a miserable drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what really kind of like the second drive of the game, right? It's third and twelve. And we run a screen to Jamal Agnew. And I'm like, you have a franchise quarterback and every other quarterback in the league you trust to throw the ball down the field. 
and we don't put it in our quarterback's hands. And it almost set the tempo for the entire night. You know, and Agnew actually probably could have got the first down and he tripped, but it was just, what are we doing? Like, why can we not trust him to go down the field? And and it set the tempo for the entire night. And then after that, it was all downhill. So, I mean, I'll take my comments out off the air, but, you know, I, I could I could feel where it was going from the second drive. Matt, appreciate the phone call. Safe travels home. Leon, there is no doubt, man, the Jaguars like doing a lot of east-west. All right? Mm-hmm. They're not I – mean, it's amazing what happens when they throw the ball downfield. You get a 65-yard touchdown to Agnew or a 40-yard pass to Zay Jones, but they mess up the clock anyway after that. But a lot of this east-west stuff, that's just kind of who they are at this point, man. Yeah, and, you know, I understand the caller's frustrations because – I mean, early in the game, I mean, Trevor was not accurate at all. A lot of people will say, well, it was the win and all other kind of stuff. I mean, he was just – he had a lot of overthrows in the game early on. Um, I don't I don't know – I don't have the answer to it. I mean, it's a lot of situational football that I question the Jaguars during that game. You know, a lot of situational football. Um, third and one, I'm tired of third and one as a shotgun, all right? Now, now, listen, I'm going to be the positive person now. I'm, I'm going to try to be. When they first came out of the game, when they first came out of the game, I was talking to the coach about this off the air. When they first came out of the game, they had an extra lineman. They had a heavy formation over on the right side. And they ran the ball, and they got ATN, got about 78 yards. I said, okay. What I thought was, I thought they were setting the tone for the rest of the game. They said, hey, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. Then there was a couple of overthrows by Trevor. Trevor had an overthrow to Ridley. We had ATN right there. And then, you know, we, you know, so I, I, I don't, I, I want this team to have an identity. I don't know what this team is really. I mean, we're not we're not vertical. We're more sideline to sideline, huh? and we we can't run the ball. Uh, so I I just think that this point in the season, I don't think this Jaguar team has an identity of what they really are. And this is week fifteen going on sixteen. Coach, they called sixty offensive plays to Leon's point. Sixty <clears throat> offensive plays, forty seven of those were passes. Now they ended up with seventeen rushes because Trevor ran the ball four times himself, but those were not designed. So of the 60 plays they ran in the huddle, 47 of them were passes. They cannot run the ball to save their life. Well, they started out running, just just like Leon said, and I really thought that that, like he did, that this was, uh, I felt they could run on them watching the L.A. Rams last Mm -hmm. week against them. They ran the ball at them. The only time they didn't do well running the football initially was when they tried to go wide. You know, they, they had some things up inside that were pretty good, and, and he got some yardage. Uh, but this the mentality of this group is not to run the football. Some of it is because we're not physical enough up front. Mm-hmm. Some of it is philosophy. I mean, you know, the, the, it looked like today – that their whole deal was we're going to run the ball a few times, we're going to throw some quick screens out there, you know, just, you know, try to make yardage third down 12. I agree with the caller. Why are you throwing a a, a quick screen out there third and 12? And they do it every game. Throw a regular screen, you know, where where you got a chance, uh, you know, look, a regular screen, you got guys coming, you you got uh, a better chance of making something than some of those quick screen things. Let's go to Orange Park. Let's get Dave in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. And by the way, this goes without saying, I know it's late. 
Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it, you know, PG at, at the max. Remember last time, Coach, two weeks ago, a couple of people let some things fly. Please don't do that. We're on a 15-second delay anyway, so all you're going to do is make us mad, and it won't go across the air anyway. But that's a, a public service as we get to the phone lines right now. Let's go to Orange Park. Let's get to Dave in here on 1010XL. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, all right, heck, I'll keep it clean. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Wasn't directed to Dave. I, you just happened to be on the line when I had to say that, but go ahead, bud. Hey, man, how y'all doing, man? Oh, Dave, if I was any Terrible. better, I just don't Terrible. know what I would do. We're doing mm. Terrible. Y'all pretty much said everything I was going to say uh, on my comment but, uh, about the run game. We don't, Listen, we don't establish a run game. There's no sense in even trying to make the playoffs, man, because we're not going to win a game without a run game, bro. This is just – we got we one dimensional right now. We're one dimensional. Screens and downfield. That's it. So we got to establish one run game, man. If we don't do it, we we we're not gonna make the playoffs. Uh, and this for Leon, go nose. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, appreciate it. Here's the thing, Leon. Everybody's saying, well, Christian Kirk's not here. Well, Christian Kirk was here against Kansas City. They didn't score. Christian mm-hmm. Kirk was here against San Francisco. They didn't score a touchdown. I mean, they miss Kirk. But this has been going on all year, this mm-hmm. offense underperforming in the biggest games. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing new. It, it, you know, they, they, they've they underperformed when the lights were brightest. And that says a lot about this team, that they don't shine when they're, when where all the audience is looking. I mean, I, if you can't get up for games like this, then why do you have them? And we haven't had them in over a decade. We haven't had these games in over a decade. And this is the, this is the product that you put on the field. Uh, this is the problem that you put on the field for Monday nights and Sunday nights football. And, I mean, listen, I, I was telling Coach about this. Listen, this 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 Raven team that's number one seed right now, I mean, they're they're a good team. They're a good team. They're not, like Coach said, they're not elite. They're not the boogeyman. You know, the boogeyman is in, in the NFC. It's called the 49ers. Mm-hmm. That's a team that they, they showed you. They they let their, 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 their two teams that are supposed to be vouching, they, they beat up the Eagles and they beat up the Cowboys. They sent them a little message. Hey, in the playoffs, you got this coming again. All right. So, but so what? So that Raven team that you saw today against the Jaguars, they're a good team. But I mean, I mean, if this team had any gumption about it, any kind of uh, any kind of execution about itself, any kind of toughness about themselves, I mean, they could have beat this team. I, listen, I saw this team go up against a, a terrible Steelers team and lose. I ain't losing. You know what the Steelers did? They played tough defense and they ran the football. Yeah, the Rams put 31 on Baltimore exactly. seven days ago. Exactly. You know, you know what I really, uh, in listening to the callers, I think they have a pretty good handle. You look at this football team, it's almost like they look at the team they're playing. Okay, we can run the ball a little bit, so we're going to come out and run the ball a little bit. You get one bad run, and then it's done. Yeah. Okay? Plus... They look at the team and they say, you know what? They got an 11-sack guy at the one end. They got an 11-sack guy at the at the tackle, uh, Mandabuke or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. And they got two other guys that are six. And they look at it and they say, we have to just throw the quick ones. We got to get that. We can't, you know, our offensive line can't handle these guys. That's the approach our offense mm-hmm. takes right now. It's almost like they're, they're scared. Uh, and the thing that bothers me more than anything else, the big plays they get is when they maximum protect. Go ahead and maximum protect if you're worried about uh, them blocking. 
you and throw the ball down the field and make something happen. Well, here's the one thing I don't like. I feel like with you two guys last year and this year, I've said that a lot of times that they ran 60 plays and 45 were passes or 46 were passes. That's deja vu to me. We've had this conversation last year and this year, and it continues, and it's maddening. Let's go to Ortega. Let's get Dan in here on 1010XL. Dan, what's going on? Hey, Coach Leon and Smacker. I appreciate you uh, staying up late with us. Um, I know you all families at home. It's a long night. Um, So I've got two things to say. Um, At what point do we start talking about Trevor? Um, I know he's been pretty inconsistent this season. And um, two, um, at what point do we address Trent Baalke? I know Leon mentioned the lack of physicality on defense. Um, He did nothing to address the uh, defense this offseason. Um, we keep getting cream pie at home. Um. Yeah, we're not doing that. Um, all right, so here's the thing with with Balky and <laughs> coaches. Uh, that's funny. Uh, here's the thing, right? With, with Balky and with the offensive play calling, and we all know where this is going to go. Eight and three has turned into eight and six. If they don't make the playoffs, I think we're all in agreement that somebody is going to pay for this. And look, I don't, I don't like doing that. And it's not going to be Doug Peterson, and it's not going to be Trevor or anybody like that. It's not going to be Bulky. I think it, Bul- de- it depends Bul- on on how what. I think Bulky's on the list. I don't know if it's going to be him. Yeah. But you can't have a. I mean, they're on the verge of a Titan s collapse from last year. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars are on the verge of having what happened to the Titans happen to them. Tennessee lost six in a row to miss the playoffs. The Jaguars have now lost three in a row. If they lose to Tampa and they well, don't make the playoffs, I think somebody's well, well, going to. It, de- it depends on what side of the ball is most unimpressed and most unimpressive. I mean, if this offense continues to struggle the way it's struggling, you press might be on the books. That's a, he's one too. He'll be on the books for sure. Yeah, if this offense keeps is as lackadaisical as it's been over the last couple of weeks, underperforming. Now, now they put up points. They put up points against the Bengals and and the Cleveland and the Cleveland Browns. But I mean, if if it, if it sputters out and this team uh, doesn't 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 look well, he'll be he'll be on the hot seat. I Let, think. Let's quickly go to RJ because he's been on hold for over half an hour. I don't want to make him stay on hold any longer. RJ, I know you're driving back to Tallahassee. Appreciate you hanging out with us, man. What's going on? No, man. Thank thank you guys for the I ten therapy. You know, <laughs> yeah. you should be sending sending me a bill for the therapy session. <laughs> You know, I, I I wish we had some Leon Searcy. I'm a Florida Gator, but I can say this. Uh, I wish we had some Leon Searcy's on the O-line because we don't. And I really think that's part of the re- – maybe a big part of the reason why we don't establish a run game and, and why we're throwing a lot of the quick stuff. You know, I just don't think that the staff has a, a lot of confidence in – in the O-line, either that or we don't have playmakers. And I, I struggle with that concept because, you know, it seems like we have top-tier playmakers, but then they just kind of disappear, and that's been, that you know, going on all season. I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think we have enough playmakers to complement Trevor? I mean, who's in a funk? I mean, I don't know if you guys saw him throw his helmet at the end of the first half. He launched it about 30 yards. RJ, appreciate the call. Safe travels back to the state capitol. Well, that's what you do when you 
completely mismanaged the clock the way he did at the end of the first half, Coach. Yeah, uh, you know, in, in answer to uh, the gentleman, listen, uh, I, I watch a lot of football games, and there's guys in this league that make unbelievable catches. We don't have any of those guys with the, right now with the exception of Ingram. Ingram is the only guy right now that makes the catches that you see every day. There's, there's drops. There's, uh, you know, we don't, we just don't have as good of playmakers as we thought we had going into the season. And I'll tell you this, if you're going to dedicate money, we got to go quick here, Leon. If you're going to dedicate money to the wide receiver position this offseason, I might have seen enough of Calvin Ridley, and I might have seen a lot of T. Higgins <laughs> up in Cincinnati who's going to be a free agent, who was Trevor and ETN's teammate at Clemson. I wouldn't mind a reuniting there at, at some point this offseason. Yeah, I mean, Calvin's going to go in the portal. He's, I, I, <laughs> he is. I mean, just the truth the fact, he hasn't done enough. He hasn't done enough. I mean, this is somebody that said – he sat before us, you know, doing training camp and said that he was a 1,210 guy. That's what he said, 1,210. And that's what I expect. And when I don't see it, then, you know, I, you got to go. 2 a.m., we got loaded phone lines. Chris, Austin, Pat, all you guys hang in there. You'll be up on the other side. We're with you until 3 a.m. here on the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics, or Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen, Osteen Volvo. Again, thank you to Players Grill, both in Miramar and Mandarin. Normally, our home for the fifth quarter. Obviously, not tonight, but we'll be back out at Players Grill very soon for another edition of the fifth quarter. Your phone calls next, a defensive player of the game and more. Jacksonville loses to Baltimore 23-7. We'll also get into the breaking news that has transpired in the last 90 minutes. We found out Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol. What does that mean for next week against Tampa? We'll talk about it next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter from Players Grill Mandarin, presented by Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics and Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen on 1010XL. Play fake, Jackson rolls right, pump fake, now throws to the middle field. Oh, picked off! Rayshon Jenkins running it back to the 45-yard line. Terrific work. He broke on the ball. He picked it off. Rayshon Jenkins runs it back to the Jaguars' 48-yard line. Frank Frangi, Jaguars Radio. Rayshon Jenkins with the interception every week here on the fifth quarter. We do give you a defensive player of the game. That defensive player of the game is brought to you by our friends at Superior. Fence and rail, and RJ, let's do it now. The superior fence and rail, defensive player of the game. Jacksonville's building a fence along the goal line. This is the superior fence and rail defensive player of the game. Superior fence and rail, where quality matters. Coach Campo, Rayshon Jenkins, an interception, a sack, six tackles today. Played well. You get a pick and a sack. Odds are you're going to be the defensive player of the game. Yeah, he had a good game. Uh, he struggled a bit this year uh, in a couple ball games with tackles, but he was around the ball all night, and uh, I thought he had a really good game. Leon, we talked about this earlier. Let's bring it up right now. Two and five, the Jaguars are at home. Mm. You played in that stadium. You protected home field when you were a Jaguar. The fact that this team has played seven games here – has lost now five of them 
a couple in embarrassing fashion. Mm-hmm. That's got to be tough for you as a former player. It is. It's an embarrassment. It's a slap in the face to ever, any player that ever played in Jacksonville because we, we, we protected that. I mean, any player that played for the Jaguars, especially the guys early on because we that's the one thing that we took pride in, you know, because these were our fans. We wanted to showcase and show out in front of our fans. And you, if you go into any season, any coach will tell you, Coach Campbell will tell you, you go into the season, you say, okay, all right, this one was 16 games, right? So you had eight home, you had eight away. You normally want to stay undefeated or 7-1, and 6-2 and two at home. All right? And then when you go on the road, you split those games. That's it. 50-50, you're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that was the approach. Win at home, go undefeated at home, maybe you lose one, okay. But on the road, you split. If you split that, that's 11-5. and 11-5 all day. You'll take that all day. And that's what we did my whole career, even when I was with the Steelers. Even when I went to the Jaguars, that was the notion. You protect home field. You play, you shine. And even more than protecting the home field, when you get an opportunity, when you got when you center stage, Monday night football, Sunday night football, when you center stage and everybody's watching, that's when you're supposed to play your best. That's when you had the big games. But apparently this team is not ready for primetime. 2011, the last Monday night football game, they lose to a backup quarterback in Jake Browning 13 days ago. 2009 since the last Sunday night football game, and they put forth that effort tonight. 23-7 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Back to the phone lines we go, 641-1010 to the south side. Let's get Chris in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Chris, what do you got? Chris, 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 Chris. Uh, That sounded like a really interesting conversation, and maybe I'd like to hear the rest of it at some point, Mm -hmm. but – when you're on hold to come on the fifth quarter, listen to your phone, not the radio. So, Chris, cuss out whoever you want to cuss out, and maybe we'll go back to you in just a moment. Let's go down to Gainesville. Let's get Austin in here on 1010XL. Austin, go ahead. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Um, obviously, emotions were flaring out the game, and, uh, yeah, it's a big disappointment, especially at home and really the past three weeks, but – I kind of want to take this in a little different direction. I don't know if y'all can really comment on this, but just kind of been in my frustrations. Um, got an email this past week that season tickets are going up 20%. It's just really frustrating. A Coke at the game's $12. Season tickets are going up. The bathroom's flooded with urine, and we can't win at home. Uh, I just want y'all's thoughts on that. And It just doesn't seem to be the NFL. Everything's going up, and it's, well, I mean, that's the price of doing business. I mean, we, uh, that's not really our department. We're going to comment on the game, but you go to any NFL stadium, you're going to pay for concessions. You're going to pay to park. I'm not sure about the urine problem. I don't have any knowledge of that firsthand. But, I mean, Coach Campo, that's that's where we are in the NFL, regardless of what team it is. Well, it's just like inflation is going up and everything we're doing. Uh, you know, listen, the money that the NFL players are commanding today – especially the quarterbacks, uh, they have to make money. And that's the way it is. You know, you, if, and, and the better you play, the more the tickets go up. You know, it's supply and demand. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's the nature of business. 641-1010 is the phone number. If you want to get involved, we're with you for another 40 minutes or so. We'll take you up till 3 a.m. But, Leon, I think that call right there – shows the frustration of what has been an unbelievably patient fan base, a fan base that has waited 
the better part of 15 years for a competitive team. They have a competitive team right now, Mm -hmm. and they want so desperately to be among the elite of the NFL. They're not. The Mm -hmm. Jaguars are not among the elite of the NFL. They're not among the elite of the AFC. The reality is they are a middle-of-the-pack AFC team right now at 8-6. and six. It's true. It is. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the tough truth that the fan base has to deal with. I mean, right now this team, uh, as far as being elite, is a mirage. Uh, going into the season initially, we thought what, what, the, what the way they played last year and who was coming back and who we added and this is another and how Trevor looks so wonderful down the stretch in those games and stuff like that. Went up against the Titans. I mean, when I say Titans, I mean Kansas City, the big dog. Played well, should have won. Aspirations for this year was, were big, but this team is just having lived up to the billing. It's like going to that movie. You know, when someone says, hey, man, go to that movie. It's good. And when you go there and you like the anticipation of it, and then you sit there and it's like, it was all right. Let, yeah. me, let me just say one thing here. Uh, and, and you know I don't blow my own horn very often. But I I will say this. I've said this for two years now, that going into this year, we said, okay, they've got good athletes here. As long as these guys are healthy, we're going to be a pretty good football team. Trevor's going to get better and all that. But don't forget, they were only 9-8 and last year. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like they were uh, 11-5, and went in and won a playoff game, and, and then got beat. They were nine and eight, okay? When we went to the Cowboys, we went one and 15, seven and nine, 11 and five, Super Bowl. And I said from the very beginning, this team, I said this going into this year, that I still think we're a year away. It took us the four years, the third year, we won the playoff game. Well, they won one last year, but they were only nine and eight. They were down 27 to nothing in that playoff game. Mm -hmm. So all the expectations that are out there, in my opinion, this team is is one of those teams right now that's kind of saying, hey, don't worry about it. We're all right. We've heard we're good from the day we walked in here this year. They've got to get back to worrying about what's going to happen against Tampa Bay, not what's going to happen in the playoffs. They need to get ready to play this game and then get ready for the next one and then get ready for the next one. And there's, there, there's no reason in my thinking that they can't beat the teams that they're playing in the next three. I agree they can beat those teams, but here's my concern for Jaguar fans. The The narrative all week is, well, Baltimore is going to be tough, and then we'll win the last three. Why do you think you're going to beat Tampa? With the way Tampa's playing right now and the way you're playing right now, and now all of a sudden Lawrence is in concussion protocol, I don't know why you think you're going to beat Tampa. Tampa's the favorite in that game. Tampa's playing better than you. Tampa's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin who are playing out of their minds. They got a good defense that shut down Jordan Love and a hot Green Bay team today. You're living in a fantasy world. If you think Jacksonville is going to be the favorite going into Tampa next week based on the way those two teams are playing right now. And I don't know why the narrative is that's going to be an easy game. That's not going to be an easy game. And it's complicated immensely by the news that Trevor Lawrence is now in concussion protocol. Let's head to Jacksonville Beach. Let's get Pat in here on the fifth quarter. Pat, go ahead. Hey, guys. Really good to talk to you. And you've been skirting around an issue, and one of you brought up that um, 
we were going to have to look at everything. And I think that includes coaches. And I'm thinking that Doug just has not seemed like himself this year. Um, I've watched him on the sidelines back even when he was with Philadelphia. I know he was younger back then. But he would run up and down and slap the guys and, you know, high-five and just really be excited. And it just seems like some kind of fire has gone out of him this year. And I thought maybe Shad Kong should maybe get into what's going on in the locker room. Could it be that he's lost the locker room? Because I've never seen Trevor be like he has been. I watched him in college and such a, you know, excited exciting player and he seems real dispirited i mean when he throws a helmet you know something's going on and um tony baselli today on the pregame i listened to the radio broadcast said that calvin ridley kind of was snippy with him when he was interviewing him and i thought i don't know it just seems like something has changed the team just doesn't seem i think some of you have even alluded to that Pat, thank you for the phone call. Coach, what about that? I think she's right. I really think that that this team is, don't worry about it. We're going to be okay. We're going to play. We'll play next week and we'll win. That's, that's the, I get the same feeling. And, and sometimes when you see a guy like Calvin Ridley, and I don't want to ding Calvin Ridley other than the fact that, you know, one game he's on, the next game he's off, the next game he's on. Uh, that's that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for mm. consistency. And I don't see the consistency with this team. And let's just get on Doug a little bit here, okay? I love Doug Peterson. I think he's the right guy at the right time. But let me tell you something. You give the play calling over to this guy to appease him or whatever, we're making worse decisions, in my opinion. You, you know, one of the things, you reason you do that is you can so you can make game-time decisions as a head coach. So that you're not calling the plays. I think he was more engaged when he was calling the plays. Losing the locker room, Leon, I think is a tough comment. I don't I wouldn't I go there. No. But there is something to some frustration that's going on. Look, I mean, they're in free fall right now. Good teams don't lose three games in a row. Good teams don't go two and five at home. Good teams don't do the stupid, and I mean stupid things, the Jaguars do on the field seemingly every week. The Jaguars are not a good team right now. No, they're not. They're, not, they're definitely not playing uh, their best football. And, and when this is the month that you're supposed to be playing your best football because, <clears throat> like Coach says, <clears throat> don't worry about no playoffs. The hell with the playoffs. You just want to be playing. You know that it's out there, all right? You know that it's out there. But – how do you get prepared for that January? How you play in December? You should be playing your best football right now. This team is not playing this best football. It's leaking oil. It's looking bad. As far as and you know, as far as Doug Peterson and his emotions and all that, this I I really sincerely believe this team feels good with. Okay, uh, we got another game to play. Yeah, exactly. That that's troubling to me. Yep. There, there, there's no desperation. There's no like, hey man, we got to get this game, you know, you know, we got to get this game. There's there's no desperation. It's a fallback, like oh, you know, we get the next one. You know, they they lucked out in beating Houston. They lost to 
Cincinnati, and Cleveland. We have as much talent as either one of those three teams. Okay? This one, I don't think there was any shame to lose in the ballgame. It's the way we lost it. It was ugly. But this team is not playing like a championship football team or a playoff football team. So something is going on. I don't think they lost the locker room, but I think that there is some complacency going on Mm -hmm. within the ball club. With the head coach Dave Campo and the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy, I'm the hacker Ryan Green. One more segment of phone calls to go. If you're on the line, we will get to you. If not, we have room at 641-1010-225 in the morning. We're with you for about another 30 minutes or so. It is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. All calls tonight, of course, are courtesy of the All-Pro Roofing phone line. One more segment of phone calls. We'll give you a play of the game and more to do here on the fifth quarter. We roll on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter from Players Grill Mandarin, presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Yes, it is. Baltimore, a 23-7 winner tonight over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville, hey, if you want any silver lining, they're still in first place in the AFC South, but there are no more mulligans. They have the same record as Houston, the same record as Indianapolis. All three sit at 8-6. The Jaguars own tiebreakers, but the room for error is gone now as both the Colts and the Texans have caught Jacksonville with an 8-6 and six record. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a play of the game. That play of the game is brought to you by our friends at Performance Painting. RJ, let's do it now. The Performance Painting play of the game. Now the Performance Painting high-performance play of the game. Performance Painting. Prepare, protect, preserve. Well, Leon, when you only score one touchdown, it's easy to know what the play of the game is going to be. Jamal Agnew, 65 yards from Trevor Lawrence. Longest touchdown pass of Trevor's career. I was kind of surprised when I heard that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I I was kind of surprised that uh, when we we threw that touchdown pass, Coach said we was in max protection. I don't understand why we didn't do it again. We never saw it again. I mean, no, they want to go one yard screens yeah, they on do, third they and twelve. They want to do quick screens yeah. on, and stuff like that to Parker Washington. A- exactly. I mean, and you and you know, you normally go match protection in those type of situations because you 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 want to give the offensive line extra help as far as the as blitz and everything go. But it worked. But we didn't do it again. What the hell is that? What is that about? Real quick, coach. Defensively, not a terrible night at the office for the defense. Now they. They allowed 250 yards rushing, but it didn't really seem like that until the end of the game. Well, I, you know, I don't think you look at when the when the quarterback's scrambling around and running, you don't really look at that like like they're gashing you. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, the quarterback made a great play. He ran, scrambled, and then ran for 15, 20 yards. It counts in the rushing, okay? Now, uh, I thought they did an excellent job early but in the second half, and uh, they should have watched TV because uh, when they interviewed the head coaches coming out, uh, Harbaugh said, well, I like what we're doing this, that, and the other thing. He said, but we really got to establish our running game in this second half. 
And see, so they should have known they were coming. And, and, and see, with, with, that, with that notion of what Harbaugh says, that lets you know right there what the identity of his team is. Right. We're going we're gonna to jab you. We're going to stick and move. But guess what? In the second half, body blow, body yeah. blow, right. body blow. Right. That, that's an identity, and that's he, when they're and that's when they're winning. Exactly, they're winning. They're going to say that. Exactly. Same thing. I mean, so I mean, th- that's a coach who clearly understands the identity of his team. All right, we're not no pass happy team. We're uh, we're going to let L Boogie move around, right. scramble around, do his thing. But when it's all said and done, guess what we're going to do? We're going to hit you. We're going to hit you with that body blow in the second half. We're going to run the ball, and that's what they did. What, RJ? That's very funny on the uh, on the phone screener there. All right, yeah, I Leon, I hear you. And the crazy thing about the rushing is, if you look, Leon, the three leading rushers in tonight's game mm-hmm. were all Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Trevor was the fourth leading rusher in the game. Now, he was number one among the Jaguars, but there were three Ravens that had more rushing yardage than the leading rusher for the well, Jaguars. Well, there's another interesting thing about the, ja- the Ravens when they were running in the second half, and I saw this from my eyes. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Well, they were running that counter play, right? And anybody knows that when you come in that counter play, when you got the, the guard and the tackles pulling, whatever that, you, in order to stop that play, you got to attack it. Somebody got to make a business decision. You got to throw your body in there and disrupt it. I saw this team. I saw guys backpedaling. I saw guys making business decisions instead of getting in in between that tackle and that guard. And you, you hey, listen, you got to give up one for the team. You got to get in there and disrupt it. I saw guys moving backward, and, and that's what that's when Mitchell had that long run. Guys were moving backward, going side to side instead of attacking that play, and Mitchell made that long run against us. Let's get back to the phone lines. Let's go to Arlington. Let's get Dave in here on the fifth quarter on ten ten XL. Dave, go ahead. Hey, what's up, gentlemen? Dave, how are you? Good, good. Uh, Hacker, thanks for taking the call. Uh, Leon, Coach Campo, great to talk to you all. Oh. Yes, sir. So, What's on your mind? So curious. Uh, uh, my son, he's 18, and uh, he hated every, like the entire game. Like he wants to uh, write the Jags off. I'm trying to tell him, man, you just got to have some patience. We'll be all right. Uh, well, what do I tell him to try to make him feel better about this team? Because it's hard, hard to find a way to make him feel good about it. Dave, appreciate the phone call. Leon, you're a very positive guy. Coach, you are too. We normally do this at the end of the show, but since Dave brought it up, let's let's begin with Coach, and then we'll get to Leon. Coach, speak to Jaguar fans. Give them something positive right now after a three-game losing streak. Well, first of all, uh, I can't give you too much positive because it wasn't That's not a great start, Coach. About this three three uh, ball games. Listen, they're, they're eight and six. They won eight games, okay? Uh when they go into a football game, these last three games, I know you say that we got no shot against Tampa Bay. I just don't know how you would pick them right yeah, now. Right, I, and I I might agree with you, but all I can tell you is that uh, if 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 we're who we thought we were, we can win these football games, and it starts with one game. That's it, Tampa Bay. We got to get ready to play Tampa Bay. Co- or, uh, Leon, you're a very positive hey, R- guy. Hey, RJ, do you have, like, a cricket sounds? <laughs> you want some positive about me? Play some crickets. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> is it that bad, though? <laughs> no, man. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm joking, man. The, the season hasn't totally imploded on you, right? Three-game losing. 
A three-game losing streak sucks. Absolutely sucks as a player, as a coach, and everything. Particularly right? at and this a, point of the year. At this point in the year, yeah. yeah. And, and and it's also troublesome that this team, this team has not been playing his best football. All right, get like Coach said. I mean, we have just as much talent as the teams that we lost to, but we we just not finding ways to win. Uh, the best thing you do is is it's twenty four hours. All right, you know, lick your wounds. You know, stitch up your your your, uh, your bleeding. Stitch it up. And watch the film and be critical of these players, point out the mistakes, and and, and try to win a ball game next week against Tampa. It's all you can do. It's complicated now with concussion protocol, which we'll get to in just a second. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a drive of the game. That drive of the game is brought to you by Tire Outlet. RJ, it's that time, the Tire Outlet drive of the game. Now, the Tire Outlet Drive of the Game. Tire Outlet Wholesale Prices Premium Service. Again, when you score one touchdown, it's pretty easy to know what the drive of the game is. It was a great drive, though. Five plays, 88 yards in five plays. 259 off the clock, 65-yard touchdown pass. Trevor Lawrence to Jamal Agnew. Trevor Lawrence got hurt in Detroit last year, came back. The toe injury. Trevor Lawrence got hurt two weeks ago with the ankle, came back. This is not a pain tolerance issue this year or this week. This is concussion protocol. This is the NFL and their doctors saying, you cannot play until you pass our protocol. So his consecutive streak mark is in serious jeopardy. Now, C.J. Stroud last week was in concussion protocol he wasn't officially ruled out until this morning. We felt like Cleveland Browns wide receiver Amari Cooper got out of the protocol in six days. It can be done, but for the here and now coach, an overwhelming majority of guys that go into protocol miss at least one game. So you have to think at least where it stands right now, it's going to be C.J. Beathard next Sunday. Yeah, I think you have to prepare that way, uh, and which they've done. You know, with his other injuries, uh, and and it's just a matter of, you know, it, how bad he was hurt. You know, that's the bottom line. If he's if he can come back, he'll come back. But uh, I think you have to prepare with the idea that that C.J. Beathard's going to be a starting quarterback, and in some ways, uh, he's in better shape because he did get a, a lot of practice time during the course of the time that Trevor's been hurt. In the other ball games. Yeah. You know what, Leon, about Beathard? I don't want to hear about injury problems. Look at Jake Browning in Cincy. Look at Joe Flacco in Cleveland. Look at what Houston did with Case Keenum today. Teams have to win with backup quarterbacks. It's happening all over the league. Teams are doing it. Jacksonville, don't complain. If it is Beathard, go out there and win like these other teams are doing. Well, what those teams have in common with their backup quarterback is a run game is a backup quarterback's best friend. Yeah. All right, understand that. If you can run the ball and establish the line of scrimmage where your quarterback's not being harassed and you take all the pressure and you're not one-dimensional, that's those those quarterbacks, the Flacco's, the Brownings, they, they're having success because they're able to run the ball. The offensive line understands the severity of the fact that you don't have your guy, so they got to toughen up and get it done. So another backup quarterback is playing pretty well right now. He's got him Gardner Minshew. The Chew. <laughs> He's got eight and six. I mean, by the way, Gardner Minshew, you might not want to hear this right now. He went into Baltimore and beat this Ravens team earlier in the year. 
uh, Gardner Minshew playing really well, and the Colts and the Texans have tied Jacksonville at eight and six. Jacksonville has the tiebreaker, but I heard Dempsey talking about this on the network post game, and I agree with him. Doesn't it feel like Jacksonville's like chasing Indy and Houston right now? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even though technically we still have the tiebreaker, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that. It feels like we're chasing because I think we might be chasing after next Sunday. They, they look better. Yeah. yeah. Both teams look better than us. And you got three losses. And you got all. three losses, yes. <laughs> next week, Jacksonville goes to Tampa. Um, Indianapolis goes to Atlanta. That's a must-win for the Falcons, so Indy will get their best shot. Cleveland goes to Houston, which will be a very interesting game. So the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars, nobody has a layup next week. They're all playing teams that still have a ton to play for. We'll come back. We'll put a wrap on our last late-night show, at least for the regular season, with the head coach Dave Campo and the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. We'll take a look at Tampa and try to make sense of what's going on here. The Jaguars now 8-6 and six after a 23-7 loss to the Baltimore Ravens. One segment to go, fifth quarter, 10-10XL, 92.5 FM. Putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. From Players Grill Mandarin, presented by Osteen Volvo and Volkswagen, and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, fair and fair injury update. Certainly the big one is the news that came out after the game. We didn't know this because he did not leave the game uh, until obviously the end. And then, you know, in the postgame presser, we find out Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol. Brandon Sheriff left the game briefly, came back. I don't think there was anything very substantial on the injury front aside from Trevor, but Leon clearly – when your quarterback's in concussion protocol, you have what is now basically a must-win in Tampa next week. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not a pain tolerance issue. Trevor has played through an ankle, through a knee, through a toe. I mean, he's a tough dude. Nobody talks about his toughness any longer. This is a situation where can he get through protocol in seven days or will he miss <clears throat> his first start and C.J. Beathard gets the snaps next week? Well, I mean, just like Coach said, I mean, you've got to go in there uh, – with the preparation that CJ is going to play, all right. Now Trevor, we don't we don't understand we don't know the severity of it, but so that means he's going to miss practice. So he's going to probably be out there and have to take mental reps because more than likely he's not going to be out there, you know, drop back and hand the ball off and all that kind of stuff. So he's going to have to take a lot of mental reps, and then it just uh, just depends on you know how he progresses day after day after day because I'm sure they're going to be giving him tests every day. They're going to test him every day, and if if the test scores, and I, I don't know the issues with the, how the concussion mm-hmm. protocol works, but if the test scores read right day after day, then, they, then the Jaguars have to make a decision. But Beth is going to get a majority of the reps this week, I would think. Coach, tomorrow morning they're going to come into the Miller Electric Center, and Doug Peterson's going to hold his Monday meeting. Take us through it. What do you say as a head coach based on what you know right now, three-game losing streak and everything that's transpired? Everything's still in front of us but we can't play like we've played. And you leaders better step up because uh, this is uh, nut-cutting time now. Uh, you got 
you got three games, but as far as we're concerned, you got one game. That's this this uh, weekend against Tampa Bay. It's been a long time. It's been minimum three weeks, and if you want to include Indy, it's been a lot longer than that. The Jaguars could very, very easily not be in first place in the division seven nights from now. We could be here on Christmas Eve, which, Coach, apparently we will be here on Christmas Eve, and I'm very excited about that, uh, from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock for the fifth quarter because the Jaguars play at 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve. It better be a Merry Christmas, yeah, I so can tell you We that. want to thank the NFL schedule makers for that one. Let's put Jacksonville and Tampa at 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Um, you uh, Very easily, you could be in a lot of trouble next week for the playoffs. Now, if you win – and other things happen, it could be a totally different conversation as well. Leon, that's why it's a week-to-week league. But needless to say, that game in Tampa next week is all of a sudden enormous. Oh, yeah, it's a big game. Um, and, and this team has watched over the last couple of weeks this season kind of free fall. I mean, just three weeks ago, we were 8-3, and three, bro. 8-3 and three with a win could be the number one seed. We were the number one seed for three hours. Three hours, absolutely. Those were three refreshing hours. That was, that was great, wasn't the it? The greatest three hours of your we life. We go from that to maybe not making the playoffs <laughs> exactly. 21 days later. Exactly. I mean, listen, this league, listen, this is a turnstile league. You never know. I mean, listen, you can go for, you can be in the penthouse, and, the, and then next thing you know, you could be in the outhouse real quick in this league. Leon, go take a nap. You'll be in the studio in nine That's, hours for primetime. Yeah, I'm going to take – you know what the sad thing about it is, Hack? That I'm going to go home and I'm not going to go to sleep. Right. I'm going to go watch highlights for at least an hour. That's probably what I'm going to do too. <laughs> Coach, go get some rest. We'll talk tomorrow night, or I guess later on tonight, as a matter of fact. Yeah, absolutely. On Hacker After Dark. Absolutely. That is the head coach, Dave Campo. He is the pro bowler. Leon, Searcy, R.J. Saunders has been your producer this evening. It has been the window world of Northeast Florida. Fifth quarter, we have been presented by Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics and Osteen Volkswagen. Thank you to All Pro Roofing for the phone line. And again, Players Grill, it's our home for the fifth quarter, both in Miramar and Mandarin. 16 hours of local programming. Well, begins three hours from now. Jeff Prosser will be in here at 6 a.m. That ought to be fun. I'll wrap it up tomorrow night on Hacker After Dark. Until then, happy Monday, Jacksonville. None will level on the line. Nobody other.